What's up, everybody? This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. I'm Joe Longo. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, my guest on this episode is Sean Rowland, the farming yogi. I met Sean a couple years ago in the Philadelphia area through the wonderful Philadelphia yoga scene. A couple years ago, he moved back to the Finger Lakes area of New York to do what Sean does and tend to the earth and grow green beans and create community and teach yoga. And a couple weeks ago, I was on retreat in the Finger Lakes with my friends from the Philadelphia Yoga Exchange. Sean was also part of the retreat and we got to reconnect and talk about all the things. So I thought it would be great to have Sean on the podcast. And Sean will definitely be back on the podcast because a lot of the things that we were talking about in the Finger Lakes, we didn't even get to touch on in this conversation. It's really good. We talk about farming, what Sean is doing, Sean's love for the earth, for the lakes and for green beans. And there's going to be a special little treat in the episode about green beans, but you have to actually, you have to actually listen to the whole episode to hear that little, that little nugget of goodness. But before we jump into the episode, I want to tell you a couple things that are going on in case you want to practice yoga with me or do some life coaching with me or have some pictures taken. Um, yeah, I do all those things. How about that? I teach yoga, I photograph people, I life coach, all the fun things. It's pretty interesting when you actually start to step into all the things that you do and really own everything, life really becomes beautiful, which is why I have jumped into this life coaching, manifestation coaching, transformation coaching, because it is bringing me so much joy and so much fulfillment working with the people that I'm working with and seeing them thrive and succeed once they actually start stepping into their greatness and owning it. And then life universe, God just starts opening up doors and allowing beautiful things to happen. If you're interested in doing some life coaching, manifestation coaching, transformation coaching with me, please send me a message. I'm doing free hour discovery calls to see if we would be a good fit, to see if we would work well together. And then everything for the next 20 weeks is all on a sliding scale because I really want to be able to work with people and not have finances get in the way. So if you're interested and you want to start diving deeper into really looking at what you've been put on this planet to do, send me a message. We'll have a discovery call and see what we can do, see what we can work out. And maybe we discover that we don't work well together. That is also fine. But if you're interested, please reach out and let's set up a call. If you're interested in practicing yoga with me, every Wednesday night you can practice Kundalini yoga and meditation with me from 6 to 7 p.m. at Yoga Brain in East Falls. Always a fun class. All you need to do is come with an open heart and get ready to move your body and raise the vibration. It's a lot of fun. There's also three weeks left to my free meditation series happening right here in my living room. Last night was the first class, the first gathering of what I'm jokingly calling alien school because of Jessa Reed. And if you want to really understand about alien school, go check out the Soberish podcast and hold on to your seats because it is far out in the best way. So that happened last night, three more Tuesdays, 7.30 p.m., right here in my living room. If you want to come be part of it, send me a message and I will get you the address and all the information. We are focusing on the Kirtan Kriya, which is a beautiful Kundalini 
meditation that uses the Satnam mantra. It's amazing for our mind and our soul and our body. So if you want to be part of that, send me a message after the meditation. We have some tea and just discuss the experiences that we had during the meditation. And if you hear that sound in the background, that is my dog Stella snoring. That's right. She is totally curled up, extra comfy, just snoring away. She's still feeling the vibration in this room from the meditation last night. Also, there's one more day of fall mini sessions available. If you're interested in having a 30-minute photo session with me, getting five digital downloads here in the Wissahickon Park in Philadelphia, head to my website, joelongophotography.com or inspirecreatemanifest.com and click on fall mini sessions and grab one of the last two spots available. It's a beautiful morning in nature, celebrating all of the fall colors. And one last plug, Friday, November 8th, I am at Harmony Yoga in Blakesley, Pennsylvania. That's in the Pocono Mountains, teaching a two-hour workshop, Creatively Manifesting Your Life, doing kundalini yoga and meditations to open up the heart and really start attracting what we want, what we've been put on this planet to do. It allows the blocks to start moving away so we can become clear and focused and start seeing really what we've been put on this planet to do. It's a really fun workshop. It's perfect for all levels. If you've never done kundalini yoga, it's totally fine and perfect. There's no experience necessary. We won't be doing any crazy down dogs or handstands or anything like that. We will be moving our spine and opening up our heart and connecting with our breath. So if you want to come do that, please head to the Harmony Yoga website, register. I would love to see you Friday, November 8th. And now I'm going to be quiet. If you really want any more information, just head to my website, Inspire Create Manifest. You can find all the things that I just talked about. You can also find all past episodes of the podcast on there. And one last request, if you can, I would really appreciate it. Like and subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It would really help get the podcast out in front of more people. I would really appreciate it. And share with your friends. Share with anyone that you think would enjoy the things that I'm talking about, the guests that I'm talking to. And I'm currently lining up a whole bunch of really amazing guests for the second part of season two. So I'm super excited to share everyone with you. Kick back, enjoy this conversation with Sean, enjoy the green beans, enjoy this beautiful planet that we're living on, and enjoy this beautiful life. Enjoy the episode. I'll talk to you all on Sunday Coffee Talk. What's up, everybody? I'm Joe Longo. This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. I am talking with Sean Rowland, the farming yogi, the musical hey, yogi. Can <laughs> the musical I ca- yogi, the, that's, a new, that's the, a new thing. The musical yogi, the guitar yogi. Yeah. What's happening, brother? Thank you for uh, taking the time to, to chat with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to take time to chat with you, even by, by phone, you know, five hours apart. Right, exactly. Uh, we can, you know, hopefully jump back into our, our conversation from this past retreat that we did with um, Eric and Lauren. 
um, when we were talking in a beautiful glen that had been carved out for 10,000 years. Right. Um, so everyone moment, you know? Yeah. Everyone it, that listening, Sean is, you're a New York native, then Philadelphia, then back to New York, right? Yeah, I was blessed to grow up here in the Finger Lakes in western New York. It's mm -hmm. not really upstate, it's western. Right. And, um, you know, this is the land of the farms, you know, deep rolling hills. Really, it was an area that was glaciated to a large degree, you know, 13,000 years ago. And um, or it finished about then. So it was laid pretty flat. We've got these beautiful lakes and really soft rock that forms, you know, these gorges when water erodes them. And um, it's it's kind of a kind of a beautiful place, you know. It's it's very midwestern in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. uh, you know, culturally. But um, it's uh, it's it's a beautiful place, you know, where people, um, you know, I've been learning a lot coming back home. You know, it's like the my own hero's journey. It feels like it <clears throat> it's had to lead me back home. Right. That message a lot of times, and it's a lot of times the last place you want to go, you know, because it's like you're not. <laughs> You're not in the choir, you know what I mean? Like you're singing alone in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. hoping that you can form a choir. Right. So um, that's a lot of times what it is, you know, and it, it is, you know, this this sort of a place that's a paradox where people have this beautiful um, gift of, the, of beautiful land, healthy land, land that grows good soil, lots of water, um, you know, inspired views, and then, you know, what, what we're doing here is really a microcosm of what we're doing on the whole planet, which is, you know, um, not living very well by the earth. And, um, you know, that results in, you know, things not being healthy, even the lake that everyone cares for. So a lot of the work in coming home is really bringing most of my work that I've done over the past, I don't know, about at least 15 years of um, trying to restore ecosystem and habitat and um, create gardens that feed the bees and the pollinators and um, really, that's probably my biggest thesis in life. And I think this is as difficult and also rewarding of a place to do it as anywhere I could be, where like I would assert that human beings health is directly tied to the health of their environment. Mm -hmm. And as a society, I mean, it's like Christopher Ryan talks a lot about how we live in this this zoo of our own creation and like the the cage is unlocked but we continue to live in this unhealthy cage, you know? So yeah. in a lot of ways it's like, you know, people are caged in, in so many ways. You know, if you, the, the, the name of this podcast inspired creativity, like how many of us have, you know, that the know why we're here or what, what we're here to do, you know, at least for me here, I can, you know, I teach my yoga and I make gardens and it's in a place where people are kind of like, well, what's that all about? You know, it's not like a, commonplace in a lot of ways so it makes an impact so it's interesting yeah so that's where i stand you know in, in the beautiful finger lakes near long deep beautiful lakes but then you know that we have trash piles <laughs> like this is an area where like some country folks you know got duped into you know building mountains of new york city garbage and like if you go to the wrong town you smell it and it's like this crazy paradox of like supreme beauty and then also like just the stench of our throwaway culture you know wow that's... um and that's that's hard to reconcile in my heart in a lot of ways they're like this this place i love so much and these people i love so much have been tricked into you know a lot of gmo farming mm -hmm. and a lot of uh you know um garbage processing you know trucks right now are rolling into this area 
to put trash in a big pile. It smells like nothing smells like a trash pile. If you've never smelled one, right. I, I have, I have smelled one there. There are a couple of those in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Right near the highway. Right. Yeah, exactly. You drive past. It's like, Oh wow. What is that? Yeah. That is the weirdest form of methane I've ever smelled. Right. <laughs> so it's interesting, but I think that's where humans are at on the planet right now that in this way <clears throat> we're seeing that we can't, if we keep the way we're going, we're going to end up where we're headed. And that's, you know, um, humanity. I mean, I think the Earth will be fine regardless, but humanity is moving very quickly towards a place where, you know, the world doesn't support our needs. And it's this amazing kind of contrast because the Earth, you know, well cared for would provide us with everything we need and an indefinite amount of time that we could be here. But um, we're not we're not writing we're not telling that story right now. You know, right? Exactly. Of a game we get dropped into where like. You know, if you if you could find the things that you see sacred on the earth, and in a lot of ways, pretty much all of them are being destroyed right now. You know, well, I mean, what do we do, right? Right. It's very sad, and to think, like you know, the the I was talking to someone earlier about this that we if we just change the mindset from living in this idea of scarcity to living in the idea of abundance and realizing that there really is enough for all of us if we choose to do things the right way. And I think our problem at like greed has just taken over so much. And we've all kind of been, when I say we all, I mean most of humanity has been like hypnotized into believing that there isn't enough. And it's really, you know, that scarcity is all around us. Yeah. But it's like if we just learned how to take care of the land the right way, we would be okay. And there would be enough of us, for all of us without yeah. this, you know, fear like kind of hanging over our heads. Yeah. Have you um sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, ever heard of the book The Ancient uh Secret of the Flower of Life by uh, I can't um, say his first name Melchizedek? I know it's a it's it's a pretty intense book. Yes, I think I looked at like a workshop guide from someone who had done a workshop with him. It, it's really intense, and I've had the book for years. And one night, I I like was called to actually open it up, and I opened to this part, and it was all about Atlantis and how what happened to Atlantis. And as I was reading it, it felt like current times right now with what's happening with the way we're treating the earth and the planet. And that one day it, she's just going to say, I've had enough of you, silly humans. Goodbye. And the earth isn't going to go anywhere. We are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like she's going to kick ass and we're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah, or she's going to recover, you know. Well, she's going to recover, but she doesn't need us to recover. No, I mean, I think that the, the one thing I took from that book, which, you know, I don't really remember. I remember mostly a uh, discussion of um, the great forgetting. Mm -hmm. Like there's this idea that like humans once, I mean, we've all evolved ultimately from, you know, some some way from the people that that made the pyramids. Right. You know, the people that made Machu Picchu. Mm -hmm. The, you know, and, and there's so many, so many different theories you could go back to with that. Like, did we have, 
connection to to entities that are no longer here or you know who who taught humanity you know from because the conventional narrative of you know um the missing link you know hominids evolving you know creating language and culture and sedentary lifestyle through development of agriculture and then we're building pyramids you know right that it doesn't really all line up and i think when you look at a lot of these tales of the past you can see that humans used to have a deep connection to the cosmos and to potentially in that book right an expanded third eye and more of a an open awake sense of living you know and all these yoga practices a lot of them they all talk about shishum nanati however you say that you know what i mean yeah, I know. like the central channel like the antenna that potentially we are transmitting you know really deep um, I mean, I don't. What, what do you want to call it? Like the the God or the energy that flows through us is divine, right. and we used to be able to channel it a lot more, mm-hmm. and it used to be a bit more, you know, guided. I and I, in a lot of ways, we, we are in this great forgetting because we've we've forgotten so many things about ourselves. Right. And I, I forget who said it, and it may have been Christopher Ryan said that we are a species that forgot where we came from. Yeah, that's Graham Hancock. I Graham think. Hancock, yeah, that's who said it. Yeah. And it's so true. We have like we just we really forgot what where yeah. what what we're made of, where we come from and how <laughs> it's how like infinite like I've been saying this a lot in my classes and with people that I've been been working with that we are infinite creative beings. But somehow that's been stripped away from us and it's like we don't even realize that our ancestors built the pyramids and Machu Picchu and all of these things. And we're just like, Oh, they're just here. You know, we don't really even have that connection that <laughs> we at one time were that advanced to build those type of structures that are still here. Yeah. yeah. One thing I, uh, uh, Graham Hancock's work, he has this almost one of the biggest theses for like the motivators for all of my work. Mm-hmm. And other people have brought this up. It's that we're not in we're not in an ecological crisis. We're in something of more of a spiritual crisis. And, you know, as a part of that, like if you don't really love something, you're not going to really care about it. Mm -hmm. You've not had a direct experience of that, you know. Right. Um, And I and also if I brought it was to bring in that idea of the scarcity mentality and like the, the fear that a lot of us live in. Which in a lot of ways, that contributes to not breathing, right? As you teach kundalini yoga. Mm-hmm. So much of that is is lighting the fire of the human spirit inside someone's body so they can like, you know, be more functional in a lot of ways. Be more um, awake mm-hmm. and open. And we, you know, we live in a society that's breathing really shallowly and has not really had a direct experience of like the divine. And like my favorite thing, because I've run quite a few farms and, you know, never not like tractor farms, but farms where like humans come together, you know, it's small, um, you know, you survive by a lot of times by the help of volunteers, you know, and people that you can find um, a mutually beneficial relationship with them coming to help you on the farm. And my favorite place is, you know, the green bean patch mm-hmm. where I grow these beans up a fence and, you know, it truly takes everyone to pick these beans because there's there's so many to find and you got to pick them all or you know, there's so many lessons in the beans but just the idea that many hands make light work 
And the more people you have on land, the more productive it is, the more abundance you end up getting. You know, the, the amount of beans that you'll get from a garden is directly related to if you keep them picked well. And then the plant knows that it's it's being cared for and it keeps producing beans. And it's a really beautiful relationship with humans and plants. And then and a more often than not, or it's it's humans connecting to humans because of the mutual um, relationship, right? Because if you're picking green beans, you're in a relationship with that plant. Mm-hmm. And it teaches a, that there's a lot of abundance if we just put our energy into it. You know, like spend, take an hour. And I mean, I look at my phone all too much. And if I just put my darn phone down and pick some beans, that's a great moment, <laughs> you know? Right, right. The best is when like the dragonflies are out and it's late in the day. And, you know, in a best case scenario, you know, you're barely clothed and it's warm, you know, it's just like, you know, beautiful time to just be there. And like, to me, that's where I've more than ever felt like I'm in the grace of, of a higher power, mm-hmm. especially when the dragonflies are eating the mosquitoes. And it's like, wow, how much abundance do we have right now, you know, of experience with these people and picking the beans and, you know, cooking them hopefully with, with, with friends later on. I mean, that's a very abundant life. Yeah, and I think that as a society, that's what's. <clears throat> I don't think that humans just forgot. I think that in some capacity, there's different entities on the planet, and some survive on feeding fear and humanity, and like ex- extracting as much resources from this planet as we can as the ship sinks. Mm-hmm. I think there's other entities that really that most humans, if you ask them, do you want to be able to pick green beans and care? Um, this guy William McDonough said. How do you care for all the children of all the species for all of time? And that's that's a good goal. <laughs> like most people would want to do that. You know, even the hunters, they want healthy deer, right? Right. So it's it's just a, it's such a mind mental thing, like you said earlier, right? But like what's our mindset like? Like and like for me, it's I know as a spiritual practice for myself that keeps me connected to life, I garden. I plant green beans on the really the prayer that people are going to pick them with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. you do, you really get to um, pick them with, with the whole community. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great when, um, so I was in, in the Finger Lakes with Sean a couple of weeks ago at, at this yoga retreat. And as soon as, I think it was the first day like that you came you shared a song with everyone that a little girl started singing. You were playing a guitar and a little girl starts singing songs about the green beans. <laughs> yeah. And one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> Maybe you can send me a little clip of that and I'll, I'll, I'll put it in. Um, okay. To, yeah. To, to the episode. So everyone can hear how, how great it yeah. is. Well, um, it was, you know, so much of our thoughts, you know, our thoughts become everything. Right. And, um, that green bean song touched me because in a lot of i mean what do you do you think prayer is a dirty word joe no not at all so for me like it it became very important for me at a certain point in my life to just to believe in something and to like be able to put intentions out there you know and i would call that a prayer Mm -hmm. you know every time i can shift my thought patterns towards a positive intention you know that's a prayer it's also you know when i'm looking at the society around me and you see so many children that don't <clears throat> touch the earth or they don't know where their food comes from. And 
in this in this American culture, how many of us just don't talk to each other? You know, there's such a lack of connectivity. Um, so I like I planted these beans just with that just that prayer and that intention that somehow these beans could, you know, be delicious and and everything. But more than anything, that they would inspire kids to um, <clears throat> to work with the earth to see that if you take care of her she'll take care of you and there's such beauty in that and this song when it came out it, you know i just went to the garden and it wasn't planned out i had my guitar because i was probably in you know i get down in the dumps a lot you know especially with this culture we live in and seeing things i really care about not be cared for <laughs> you know on a societal level right you know i buy the dump or something and um i just went to the garden and as it would happen the kids from the school were there and this girl, um, they were writing poems about the garden. You know, these kids are just, they love this garden that I, me and this 87 year old man, um, with the help of this nonprofit made this big garden, expanded it. And, um, the kids love it. So they're out there writing poems about the garden. And this one child had written about, um, this young boy had written about the green beans and um, so I just, you know, I can barely play guitar, but I invented this nice little ditty, you know, and, and this, this other girl, Penny, <clears throat> sang to it about green beans. And just it was the message was really like, you know, green beans will give you everything you need because you also take care of us. And isn't that sort of a beautiful trade off? Like, you know, she sang for like 10 minutes on that concept of just like. There's a lot of magic in the beans. We can grow them. And if we care for them, they care for us. And within that, everything gets better. So beautiful. And yeah. Well, it's just like, what, what better ethic could you, could you see come forth? And I didn't tell her that, mm -hmm. you know, like the best teachings are not explicit. Right. They're, you know, they're more like an implicit understanding someone gets through the experience. Mm -hmm. um, I also had that experience with this, my amazing friend and collaborator, Fred Brockway, who's 87. Uh -huh. He is so healthy, driving, like he's just as physically capable as me. He does yoga a couple times a week. He um, he didn't know what I was talking about with the green beans, but I've had this greenhouse I've been growing in since last winter uh -huh. through for, for a nonprofit. I'm like a subcontractor. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I planted green beans in it because to me um, – you know, and I've written a whole piece about green beans. I could write a book about them in a way, but that like in a lot of those times when for me, like I'll get in a dark place, right. Where I don't see my own potential. Right. I'm definitely living in that scarcity mentality, negative mindset. Like I know these green beans and I walk a path. I grow these ones called rattlesnake green beans. They've got purple stripes and they're just the most delicious bean. They grow up a big trellis, you know, up towards the sky and you just pick them. You got to, do squats and get on your tiptoes and like really do a lot of yoga <clears throat> in the process of finding all these beans and you got to pick them every couple of days. So Fred and I had a great relationship, but then we got in this flow of, well, we were going to pick green beans together every two or three days. And <clears throat> he really got it. And he ended up writing a whole piece about the green beans. He's a, he was a guidance counselor for a long time and he still does family counseling. Mm -hmm. And, he was he talks a lot about self-advocacy right which i think that means basically like self-care uh-huh and the green beans and just this how much of 
caring for yourself is caring for these beings. And, you know, it's one of those flows you can step into. So like in my darkest times, I would, I'll even carry these beans in my pocket in the winter just to remember I have potential. Uh-huh. Like I have purpose on this planet. I can plant these beans that can get people out of this cycle of like destroy the earth, feel bad about it, be complicit living in a culture that's doing the same thing. And then it's like Groundhog Day until, you know, the, the things aren't working out anymore. And it's so um, – yeah, it's been such a beautiful thing to see multiple people in my life through these green beans really create get an affinity because it's almost like a church or not a church like a it's a religion. My teacher Naveen always says um, personal religion is time management. Oh, so you are you are what you do mm-hmm. ultimately. And I plant green beans and pick them. <laughs> you know, it's um, such a beautiful life, though. It, um, it's so simple, you know. Right. And... Like I've thought so many times, like, cause I've, you know, I've gotten, I've worked through an incredible amount of depression in my life. And, um, you know, even in my, my darkest times, I'll, I'll never forget the potential of the beans, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, even if I'm just like this crazy person, even when I, when I'm, you know, old, you know, <laughs> I'm like, man, he never got his life together, but he grew some damn good beans. Right. And he, he loved growing to pick the beans with with Sean and like, you know, that's, you know, in the flowers, like I have the same principle with planting flowers is that, you know, this no one really understands this, this human game of life. But I would assert that feeding and caring for the earth is one of the best ways to like do right within your your opportunity to be in the game, you know? Yeah. Well, I've, you know, we are all connected. And I, it seems yeah. like, you know, every day, the, and I don't know if it's just because I'm paying attention more, but I keep seeing all these different stories about trees and how trees are communicating with their roots with one another. Yeah. And now that they, they just figured out the trees actually have a heartbeat, but we couldn't tell that they had a heartbeat because, you know, we're just silly humans. Yeah. But as technology is advancing, we're actually able to now, like, I guess capture the vibration and they're like no no these these trees are like they have a heartbeat like they are beating just like us and since I heard the thing about the the trees communicating via their root system I every time I go for a walk through the Wissahickon with Stella like I just find myself just like putting my hand on the tree like not giving a tree a hug but literally like just taking time touch the tree and breathe and just feel 100%. that connection you know it's just so calming lovely yeah and it's it's energy yeah you know like even if you're not a hippie about it you're just like wow there is molecules and and like an, an, an incalculable energy that's in this tree right. <laughs> you know? yeah and you, you touch it and you're literally communing with it you know um so it's so beautiful. And they, I mean, that, I think that most humans, there's my, one of my teachers, I went to school for what they call ecological landscape design. Mm-hmm. So how to create basically design and create ecosystems that um, are, you know, are good for the planet. And one of the teachers who taught us ecology would always say, nature is not more complicated than we think. It's more complicated than we can think. Oh. Like the best people who know about, ecological restoration still know they don't know anything 
Mm-hmm. Like if, if we're not constantly humbled by nature, then we're not really paying attention to the fact that we're like, we're such a small part. I mean, we're, we're, we're a huge part in it in the sense that we have the opportunity to destroy it all or save it all. Right. And restore it. But ultimately we're not, we don't, we don't understand it. <laughs> you know, right. Like no one really understands the interplay between mycorrhizal fungi and roots and how trees graft their roots together underground to become one big entity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy with our human mindset to th- go into the forest and think the, all these houses, all these trees are living like people in the suburbs, like next to each other, but not in the same house, you know, mm-hmm. versus like, I mean, the, the, uh, the forest is a benevolent tri- egalitarian tribe, you yeah. know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's very, uh, you know, um, the warrior's hearts all beat as one. Yes. So it's there. I don't know. I've, I'm, uh, I love the tree. I'm just amazed by it. Uh, earlier in the spring, I was on a, a photo shoot and a weeping willow had fallen in, in this family's backyard. Huh. And they, you know, like cut it up to, um, start getting rid of it and there was a huge piece of it that was just lying there and out of the side of the tree even though it wasn't planted in the ground you know what i mean it didn't have roots anymore it sprouted another branch and just willows are amazing and just kept on growing and it's like to see this massive tree stump laying on its side you know was struck by lightning or something and then like the two ends of it cut off and then all of a sudden out of the middle it was like i'm not i'm not done i'm 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 going to keep on growing and that would like a willow tree would definitely keep growing mhm was... i mean it has natural rooting compounds it's an amazing tree oh it was so i was blown away by it just cuz you know i never really saw just you know a giant like tree, like like the middle section of a tree laying on its side, like freshly, you know what I mean? It had only fallen a couple of weeks prior. Just pop up new life. It's like, nah, I'm not done. I'm, I'm going. Nature's never done. No, never. <laughs> I, um, in the, the Kundalini practice, Yogi Bhajan, one of his quotes is, if you can't see God in all, you can't see God at all. Mm. And like, I... I'm always like, just look at a tree, look at grass, look at all of the stuff that just pops up out of the earth. And if you don't think that's God, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you don't have to look up in a sky or, you know, on some puffy cloud to be like, oh, that's God out there. Uh, you know, how about just... this? <laughs> like, so, because I firmly believe you have to see God in all things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's been you know, uh, a philosophy I've had for about 10 years, probably solidly, you know, and working towards that. But it's, I can see God in the, in the flower meadow, right. Filled with life. Mm -hmm. Can I see God in that person who for a paycheck that gets them all the trappings of like a consumerist culture, right. To get the big truck, to get the, you know, the, the snowmobiles and everything, the person who cuts what would become meadow. Right. That's been easy for me to damn that person in the past. Be like, oh, you, you, you know, person that's going to cut all the trees down. And because my grandpa was that guy. Uh-huh. He, and I, 
you know, I have a really close relationship with him as I, you know, help care for him with his dementia and stuff. But um, this is the man that cut down all the trees mm-hmm. that I loved. Can I love, can I see God in him? <laughs> right? Oh, right. Or it's like, you know, can you see God in the person that to make a living and support his family is the guy with the chainsaw every day cutting down the redwood tree? Right. You know, can I see God in that person? That's, the same that's way the real that challenge. Tree, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm working on lately. I'm trying to not damn those who don't know how they're destroying the things I love most, you know? Right, right. That's the real practice, you know, finding that, that God in our fellow man. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, we can be so, you know, like we can, I can sit here and, and talk about how much I love trees, but that tree, you know, is never going to tell me to fuck off. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be beautiful. Like my dog Stella is just going to love me, you know? So it's easy. But when it comes to another human, then I have to reach that space of, oh, okay, here's the real practice of seeing God in everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's such an interesting thing because I, you know, we're at this really interesting moment with humanity where um, everyone's really upset and triggered. And that's that's really important, you know? Like, I, we're talking about the tree roots being grafted together. And, you know, you're, I used to, 10 years, 12 years ago even, I was screaming it from the rooftops, all the trees are connected, you know? Uh-huh. Like, you know, all this stuff that now it's becoming a bit more colloquial understanding um, or collective understanding, but... Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, this is, I lost my, I lost what I was going to, oh, so there's, there's this, this is like anger in society right now because war, in a lot of ways, it's a culture moving through like the Kubler-Ross, you know, model of acceptance Uh that what we're doing is destroying the planet and oh, wow, our planet's pretty incredible you know, what can we do to make a difference? And, um, you know, I think a lot of us are in this, this place of anger right now. And I think the, the low hanging fruit with that is all this political stuff, which I just refuse to engage in right. on a, on a federal level, mm-hmm. um, or at least the presidential level. Cause it's just like people picking sides and choosing teams and, um, deciding that they're going to, someone else is the other. You know, some, some, there's a, there's people out there worthy of damnation. Right. And, you know, so there's a lot of rage and that's, there's a lot to be angry about, but, um, like this, this author, Terry Tempest Williams, who recently, I think she passed away, but, or maybe not, but she wrote about, um, well, you should look that up. (laughs) So, um, great author. She talks about sacred rage, right. And like that. Um, and a lot of great authors talk about sacred rage, this like this that if we're not upset seeing that tree get cut down, then we're just we're just numb to it all. Because if you really love that tree, you will grieve it mm-hmm. and grief. Um, Martine Prechtel talks about grief is the ultimate form of praise. If you grieve something, that means you really loved it. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, can you not be like my bike just got stolen, right? <laughs> Which is, it is what it is. But I have a choice as to like, um, how long should I be upset about that? 
You know what I mean? Like if it is what it is, like I can try and get it back or whatever, but I don't think I'm going to get it back, you know? Right. So how long, and I'm just choosing, I'm not upset about it. Like I'm just, you know, in the same way that we have to control our reactions to all things. So right now with humanity, I, my, my big prayer is, and I talked about this, we had a climate march here in town and I'm really grateful that so many um, of my fellow um, citizens in this town, mo most way more than I are like are speaking up and speaking out about how we're polluting the lake, about, um, you know, climate change and all this stuff. But within that, there's a lot of anger and a lot of damnation of people that are very deserving of their, you know, legacy of poisoning our land and destroying our re privatizing water, you know, all these the worst things you can do. Um, but we're not going to solve this stuff if we just decide these people are bad and go to war with them. Like there has to be a little bit of that. Right. But I don't think you can change certain people. I think you can just love them and create a situation that ultimately they, they want to come pick the green bee, you know, right. in a way. Um, so, so like this joyful action, that was the idea. So we had this march and there was a lot of like a lot of yelling and a lot of just like, you know, um, chanting of, of, you know, fuck capitalism or whatever it was, you know, uh -huh. but like what I was able to talk about in the garden, which I'm really proud of was just that, that green bean song, mm -hmm. that idea that like, you know, let's find joyful ways to take power back right. and take care of the earth and humans coming together. Cause <clears throat> man, like two people work as well as three. You know, when it comes to picking green beans, I don't like doing anything by myself. So um, just this interesting thing of like, how do we how do we bring everybody into the fold? Right? How do you love that person that destroyed that thing you love and not decide that they're bad? <laughs> you know, because that person, you yell at somebody that they're bad, they're never going to work with you. Right, right. You know? Exactly. But if you're just a nice person being like, hey, well, if you'd like to come pick green beans, you know, I'd love to have you. Yeah. Well, it's like um, I started listening to that East Forest album. Oh, wonderful. Uh, with with Ramdas. And I think the last one, he talks about Maharaji and Maharaji saying, just love everyone. Ramdas, love everyone. Yeah. And, that, you know, that's where Ramdas got, you know, he got it from his guru. And he, but, you know, in that East Forest song, he even says, he's like, I can't. He's like, yeah you can and that's like the only the only way and it really i think i heard Dunkle, duncan trussell talk about ramdas explaining this as well saying that if you just love everyone it's so much easier than trying yeah. to hate everyone and trying to fight everyone just love oh everybody even though it's not easy you know we want to yell and scream sometimes but what yeah. if what if we just loved everyone and I wish I remembered who, who said this, but it was like, instead of being against something, be for something. So instead of being anti-war, be pro-peace, yeah. you know? Who said that? I love that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'll have to ask, yeah. ask my assistant here to Google that. Stella, jump on Google and check that out. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, but it makes so much sense. Like, you, you want to inject everything with the positive, and keep yeah. that positive energy going, that positive vibration, as opposed to, 
you know, once you go into the negative that I'm against this, you're just bringing everything else down and it's not going to, yeah. it's going, it's not going to make that positive change that, that we all think it may make. It really, you know, yeah. has to be the a whole, like a paradigm shift everywhere with just everyone loving everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's and without it being like, how do you preach that message at Lowe's? Right. You know? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Especially. But that's, I think, what you have to do. Like, I think that's what we need more than anything right now. Right. But if you went up to somebody at Lowe's and said, hey, I love you, you're liable to get a punch in the face. Yeah, it depends. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I think that, like, it's about like I was at this this uh, this song I'm writing. It's that like uh, I saw God at the grocery store, mm. you know, and just like that. Can you go to the grocery store? And I first had this thought when I would go to Whole Foods in uh, um, by the art museum, uh -huh. and just like that, you know, like I isolate a lot as a person, but I love to cook and I like to go grocery shopping. So like I would go to the grocery store like once a day. Cause I like to go and I like to just get what I need that day. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, every time I, you check out, you know, um, at least there, like you have an opportunity to bag your own groceries. Hopefully mm -hmm. I encourage people bagging their own groceries, you know, <laughs> and people don't do it. Um, but, uh, you know, and you can talk to this person whose job it is to check you out in line. Mm -hmm. And like, that could be, <clears throat> a great interaction you know like i had a track record of like i mean i'm not trying to be too full of myself here but like multiple times i go to whole foods and the, the checkout person would be like man you made my day just because i talked to him <laughs> you know what i mean right just, right just like in that moment and it's not like it you know weaver's way or something when people are like everyone's in a hurry whole foods they don't really care mm -hmm. they're just like you know they're doing their thing we have a nice interaction and like that's you know i see god in that person checking me out even if they're not nice to me or you know you you see you see it in their eyes but then it's like all the food mm -hmm. that you're getting there that's 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 god too or in like as a lot of natives would talk about it you know we're in a a debt to the earth but if you think about yeah we're paying money for that food but it was all given to us from the earth Right. And everything that we've ever gotten in our lives, except for that mysterious fire within us, we got from the earth. So, like, we're in a debt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. In a way, can you see the divinity and, like, the gift in that the white rice that you buy, you know, as much as the macaroon? Right. Um, can you see it, you know, in everything in that? your shopping cart and that person you get to interact with that rude person in front of you, you know, everything. Like I think that there's so much of that at the grocery store or at Lowe's, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting thought about how do you, how do you, to, how do you, how do you encourage or how do you let that person who's living in scarcity and probably a little bit of anger and disconnection know that you love them and that you would wish that someday they could see that, that they're a part of this big, beautiful thing called life with all these other souls. And that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just bigger than them and their family, you know? Right. Right. 
that it's really part of a bigger story we're telling as a species that's trying to not have amnesia as to like, well, what did we do about these pending challenges on this planet that we live on? You know, I'm planting green beans and flowers, <laughs> you know, um, we're helping people breathe better. We're helping people live better in their bodies. Um, right. And I think, you know, an easy practice for everyone is smile at the people that you see at the grocery store. <laughs> you know, like real, real simple. I find yeah. like there are times like I'll smile at people and they'll look at me like I have 12 heads or I'll be out for a walk with Stella and I'll see someone walking past me and I'll say hello. And they like look at me like I'm insane for actually acknowledging <laughs> their existence. So like, yeah, we are humans on the same planet. Like we're both yeah. outside going for a walk. Like let's, let's say hello to one another. And yeah, you know about the platinum rule? No, I don't think so. Um, it's the expansion of the golden rule. It's uh, um, everyone treat everyone as if they are you living a different life. Mm. That's beautiful. What brought you to Philadelphia? Did you come to Philly for college? Is that what? How did you end up here? It's a great question, Joe. And we met in Philly, right? Yeah. Um, and really, in I mean, I don't want to compare necessarily, but I we were there. When we connected, that was like a really glorious time in Philadelphia yoga. It was. Because uh, there was not so many studios and, um, you know, yoga festivals weren't happening four times a year. <laughs> and <laughs> at least. And, you know, there was but one Lululemon downtown. And, um, you know, everyone was kind of consolidated in one place. So. And everyone still liked each other. Yeah. What brought me to Philadelphia? You know, I think that this is a good segue, actually, too, because, you know, I can get, you know, you, you got to talk about where we're at as a culture, right? Right. Like, when I, when I think about yoga, I think about the fact that, you know, I got into yoga about, I don't know, five or six years before I moved to Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And I think that was about 2000. 10 or something like that the first time um but i uh i got into it because i needed it uh -huh. you know and then you know i think everything i've been talking about is i tried you know come out of my show more and explain about me and my path it's that you know i did a lot of work when i was um about 20 1920 you know i dropped out of college i um didn't know who i was or why i was here or any of that sort of stuff and i worked with a lot of, you know, medicines of the earth and different practices to really come to the conclusion that, wow, I'm connected to the earth. The earth is a sentient, magical sort of a thing mm -hmm. or sort of, you know, and that I'm a part of it. And wow, well, I would like to work with my life to be a part of that life that I see as a gardener, you know, and then I look back and I come from a long line of gardeners. My family's from Okinawa were the natives of, of southern the island south of Japan. Mm -hmm. And I come from a lineage of gardeners. So, you know, from a bird's eye view, it makes a lot of sense that I would be a gardener. And, you know, my grandma will look at me and say, oh, you would make your, your great-great-grandfather so happy. He would love you. And, like, that melts my heart because I know it's true. And then my personal belief now is that my ancestors, if they want, can look down on me. So he is maybe 
on a, at least an energetic level proud of me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah i'm so, sure he is yeah so i got on this track <laughs> from when i was 21 with working with plants you know and that went all the way from you know starting landscaping working in ornamental nurseries ruling their eyes and they're full of poisons um, getting into organic farming and homesteading and cut flowers and all this stuff to then, you know, I went to school, learned landscape design, and then realized that, whoa, there's not that much work restoring the planet, but farmers seem to have a good job. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's a low-paying salary job, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And um, But it allows you to do something that you believe in. So for me, I mean, I'm an idealistic Sagittarius who – like I'd rather be destitute than do something that doesn't feel like it's in alignment with my integrity. Right. So um, I came to Philly because I'd gotten a job running a little farm in Wayne, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, right by this little, you know, very Tony sort of park. It's a very affluent zip code. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was questionable organization I worked with, but um, they provided resources for me to run a little farm. I mean, and for me, it's like if you give me a credit card and a truck, I can make a lot of magic happen with plants. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> that's what brought me down there. And believe it or not, I was like a a country kid, really afraid of cities. You know, I didn't grow up going to the city as a kid. You right, know, right? Um, like we would never go to the city. New York City's six hours away. Boston's the same, or more. You know, Philly, pretty much the same. So, um. You know, the most interesting thing about that is that my level of comfort with cities was directly related to yoga and the fact that like one kind of parallel realization I had in my 20s was that, wow, I have I have a twisted spine mm-hmm. and I have to do yoga. But then I've also, like, you know, realized that, you know, I have resistance to doing it. I at that point, I definitely needed a group class mm-hmm. and um I was literally just, you know, I mean, if I could look back at the last at least 17, 15 years of my life and say every day has been this this knowledge that I've got a twisted spine. I don't feel all right in my body. My system is not flowing well. And <clears throat> my gosh, for my benefit and those around me's benefit, like I will not see God at the grocery store if I'm in severe back pain, right. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and my mindset's all messed up. <laughs> so like with the farming job, it was a lot of that. I was like growing food really for people that didn't always really appreciate it. You know, that would be punctuated by moments with kids in the garden that felt really magical. But a lot of it was like dealing with, you know, the most affluent people in society who were really just a part of the farm so that they felt good about something that, you know, it's like this farm at least was not doing much to make the planet healthier Mm -hmm. or shift people's ethics about what could be done. But there's also a dozen or two people that were profoundly affected by the garden and the beans and all that stuff. So that it did radiate out. Like it was definitely a great experience. And I would have to go from that moment of like, you know, I would get negative and like bitchy and like need to like fix my body. Cause when I get all twisted up, I'm not pleasant to be around. <laughs> and you know, I would start driving. I would go to Justicia, Justicia's class when she, uh, after she took over in Ardmore uh-huh. and then, um, you know, um, and then I was like, Oh, well, West Philly's not that much farther, you know, right down the main line. Right. right? So, 
not that far. Was it like 30, 40 minutes or something? Yeah, quick so, shoot. Yeah, that's probably um, optimistic. But <laughs> um, depending on the time of day, you know, I could get to a great class that wasn't just a sweat, sweat, sweaty mess that was like, you know, in West Philly. So I was like, okay, well, I'll take the truck and I'll drive to West Philly. I figured out the parking. You know, as the country boy, you think your car is going to get broken into and stolen and, you know, everything. And then, you know, you get a few parking tickets to figure that out. But other than that, like I would get to the city, know I really needed yoga, get into the class, do the class, hopefully an hour and a half or something. And then I'd come out with that, just that sense of peace and like, you know, everything being better again. And I was in a city, mm-hmm. if you can call West Philly the city. And um, and then it just became like, oh, I go to this city to do yoga in this great community. And, you know, that's about when we met, mm-hmm. you know, or at least around that time. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing to be like, wow, well, I've lived this life that's been very isolated, very a lot of um, a lot of sorrows, a lot of you know, struggles with my body. And yet, um, man, everything the doctor ordered exists in this yoga community at Diana, mm-hmm. um, in the city of like, just all these beautiful people with lots of knowledge coming together to just celebrate life. I mean, that's what it felt like back then there was, you know, um, it was seemed very collaborative back then. Yeah. You know, it was, a, it was a Will very sweet everybody. time. Yeah. So, um, you know, I came down to Philly to, to run this farm, and what I really found was a, a yoga community, you know, and ultimately my main yoga teacher mm-hmm. um, through that exact community. And, you know, I've just had a love affair with Philadelphia because, I mean, it's founded by Quakers. It's the green country town, um, and it is a garden gardener city. Yeah. One of the, the nicest areas for gardens. So in that way, that's what's always kept me coming back, connections to that yoga community and connections to the land. You know, I think it was sacred to that. I believe the Lenape Indians. I'm not uh, sure, but native Americans mm-hmm. or, you know, it's, it was always very sacred land. And, um, even with the colonists, I mean, it's, it's this beautiful forest and there's a conservation ethic there, the Wissahickon, uh, you know, and so many of my best friends, um, <clears throat> just happened to be in Philly, <laughs> you know? So it's just beautiful how like, Yoga really is a lot like the green bean patch or the garden where you kind of you see who shows up and those become your people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can't stay away. You know, I come down there. It's a good place. to. I think I'm officially done working for companies as a gardener and a landscaper. Uh-huh. I still do that work usually on more of a public benefit sort of a, um, a level. But um, it's a great you know, it's just a great place to get somebody to pay you to build a meadow <laughs> right, you know, right, and come down to do a yoga training. And I'm hoping to get down there to teach, um, at, um, the Philadelphia yoga exchange. Yeah. They're, they're a good group of people there. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were saying I could go down there and, and do a workshop or a, a master class or something. I would love to do that. Yeah. You should totally um, come down. I think it's been interesting in what's been happening. Um, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of workshops or even like masterclass things happening anymore. And I don't, I don't really know why. Yeah. It's like, I was at a class, um, 
couple weeks ago and the teacher actually said it. She was like, if you want a workshop, like, let me know, but you know, I'm happy to do something, but then you all have to come to it. Yeah. Like, it just seems like, you know, it just like, it doesn't, it's weird. Like a friend of mine a couple weeks ago was, was coming in the town and she was like, let's go take a yoga class. And it was a Saturday or a Sunday. And I'm like, there really is no yoga class to go take on a Saturday or Sunday. That's the perfect time to do it. Right. And it's like, there, you know, there might be a more like a Saturday morning class, a Sunday morning class, but then it's almost like the the studios are doing teacher trainings or things like that. It just doesn't like, I don't know. I haven't been to like (laughs) just a good yummy, like, Oh, this is just like a good hour and a half, two hour class. That you All right, I'm bringing that back. Yeah, bring it back. I think you know, I it, it would be really be enjoyable. And that class that you taught at at the retreat was so delicious. Oh, thanks, Joe. It was. It was uh, so nice. You know what I mean? It was like nice and flowy and grounding, but still flowy. You know, like uh, yeah. I, it was you really... know, we all stand in the footsteps of our teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I mean, I. That blows my mind that there's not a lot of workshops and stuff. Like, unless you know, I'm just not work- paying attention. So Philadelphia, if well, I'm no, not paying it's... attention, you let me know. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think that the, the model has definitely gone more towards teacher trainings. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what I've had to really work a lot with is that, you know, when I got into yoga, if we, you know, think back to those days we were talking about in the beginning, you know, like I had been doing yoga for. I don't know, uh, five, seven years, something like that. Um, but not, you know, with, um, I had good teachers, right. But I didn't have like the sort of teachers I have now. Right. And like, um, you know, yoga to me was always this thing that like, well, I know who I am, Sean, you know, I am, a, am a gardener. Right. Like I serve life. I serve humanity. I know my purpose on the planet is being a gardener. You know, and yoga was just a way for me to be okay in my meat suit and my body and like, you know, my mindset to be able to do what I was here to do. Like, I literally would go to classes and just be like, wow, I could never do what this teacher just did. Uh huh. You know, and I was, and I mean, and it's, it's still true. Like, uh, you know, an Alex Holmes or Justicia, um, you know, or, or Jonathan Rice, um, you know, they're like, they've been doing it a very long time and they, they know how to lead a really, really great class. And, you know, for me with my level of confidence, I was always like, well, I could never do that. I don't know how they do that. They're magicians, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And, um, you know, now that I do it, I can see that like you basically, I think you just put in your time, you know, equal parts being humbled by what you don't know and, you know, believing in what you do have to offer um, but I'm finally at this place now where I'm like, wow, well, well, I have, you know, studied a lot of yoga. I think about just with Simon Park, you know, I've done so many two to three hour classes with him. Right. That like for me to teach a two, it's easier for me in a lot of ways to teach a two to three hour class because we're going to do all the sun salutation A's, mm-hmm. all the sun salutation B's all the poses (laughs) you know right very very slowly kind of richard freeman vinyasa style Mm -hmm. um and that is a yummy practice you know um so 
um, I'm going to just put that out there in this podcast right now that I'm setting my intention to really put it out there more because I'm not um, I'm not selling myself or I'm not putting forth that I'm the gardener anymore in a lot of ways. I am a gardener, but I've always thought that, you know, yoga is a means to an end to inspire the world to care for their mother mm. and themselves as a part of that, you know? Right. And, you know, teaching yoga is a great way to, to, to be a gardener, you know, or to show that gardening is a part of that. It's also, you know, vice versa, the other way. It's like that if you can't get people to see, you know, um, potential in themselves, you know, and if they don't feel okay, they're not going to care about the planet, you know? So I think that more than anything, you gotta, you gotta lift other humans up and, and teach them that they're an like a very important part of this web of life and then um then maybe they go to the garden you know it's it's who knows what's first you know right i just think it's such a funny story because like you know i talk about my teacher simon like simon i'm so grateful simon's given me so much yoga for free mm -hmm. um over the years because you know i i endeared myself to him you know at the right time you know he's he always likes having good friends around and i through the years was you know, one of his one of his better friends, you know, really he's my brother in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if I wasn't out there working my best and, you know, usually in poverty situations <laughs> to care for the earth, you know, like he wouldn't have been like, oh, this guy, Sean, like I want to teach him what I what I know. Right. But he cares about the earth. And he could he knew that i did too that was why we connected in a lot of ways and then you know you learn the yoga as a as a corollary to learning all this other stuff like i would teach him about plants he would teach me about yoga and within that it all came together in this way where it's it's all the same thing mm -hmm. but every one of those things fed everything else you know is it and that's why i'm the farming yogi it's right. not about being good at yoga it's not even about farming because, you know, we can do this in another conversation. Farming is really the downfall of, of humanity was when we became farmers. But um, it's about being gardeners and living in a resilient way. Um, and we need we need all the techniques, you know, um, you know, all the farm workers um, from South America that are up here. I mean, I I'm I have an intention. I want to figure out how can I help them learn to stretch? <laughs> you know, right. they're picking all their apples. Like, how do we care for the people that care for us, you know, in a roundabout way? Because um, that's isn't that what it is, right? It's it's how do we bring this all of this to humanity, right. not just these subcultures of yoga. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's where yoga has gotten this little blip. And that's the one thing I would always want to bring into any, you know, longer form. Any class I ever teach is going to really bring in a lot of Katona principles, this other style of yoga I've learned. Um, it's really like you're in the center of your circumstance and you're driving forward into the future and how do you be a hero on a journey? And a lot of that's keeping your chin up, keeping yourself very awake, very tuned and knowing what those fires in your body burn for, right. you know, for me, I know that. And that's what I really want to work on, you know, my messaging and the opportunities to bring that into like, what do you love? What do you care so much about? That's why you hold your arms above your head. That's why you do three wheel poses, not, you know, two half-assed uh, bridges. 
<clears throat> I'm serious, you know? Yeah, you yeah. In the class, people, like, just throw that block under their sacrum, and they're like, oh, backbend now. Like, as someone, for me, that's trying to get my body to not be twisted up, like, that wheel pose is the end of class is when I actually get my neck to open up mm-hmm. because I'm internally strengthening, externally softening, and there's no position in the world like like a wheel pose, you know? Right. And I I either do it or I don't. It's my personal religion. Like, Sean, this is my story. Sean fixes his back in <laughs> wheel pose every day to be able to be a better messenger of bringing the humans back to the garden that they forgot they came from. Mm, it's beautiful. You know, the wheel pose, it can be scary. You really got to open your heart. And we're, yeah. we're in this space of really just closing, closing down, rolling those shoulders forward and protecting the heart instead of, <sighs> you know, letting it, letting it be open. That yeah. meditation that I led on the, on the dock that day, that heart Love opening, that. I've been, doing that every day now i don't even know like i stopped counting but it's such a intense practice because it it's i do it for 11 minutes and it's 11 minutes of just constantly saying that mantra and opening my heart and it it really changes every aspect of my life by allowing me just to be more receptive to everything and aware of everything that's happening. Like our heart is this beautiful magnet. And if we're keeping it, you know, closed down, we're not going to be attracting everything that the universe has for us. And from doing it, I just see so many more random serendipity type things happening. You know, like I'll randomly meet people that are like that I know I'm supposed to meet for specific reasons of ideas that I have of projects that I want to work on. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to find this person. And then all of a sudden that person shows up out of the blue. And I truly believe it's because I'm, I'm allowing my heart to be that magnet that it is to call in everything that's needed. So yeah, those those big uh, those big wheel poses are very important. <laughs> Anything that opens the heart, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just say wheel because I know it, it fixes me. Right. But um, I loved that that um, that meditation that we did with you. It's to call it a meditation is is kind of a funny thing to call it. <laughs> it's very intense, you know. <laughs> Like most people think meditation is just like, oh, now I'm Zen. I put on my insight timer and right. now I'm Zen. You know, but that one is like, I like, I like things where it's like sink or swim. You know, we're doing this for this amount of time. Are we going to do it? Do you want to open your heart? Well, let's make the, the, what was the mantra that you taught us? Sat Katar. Yeah. Which means Man, God we say is... that a million times. Yeah. God is the doer. Um, we did it for nine minutes, the, and then we sat for three minutes. So the whole thing was 11 minutes. And that was the thing that really drew me to the Kundalini practice. You know, besides the fact that after every class, I would feel super stoned. Um, but it was that I don't have to just sit here and be still to do a meditation. Like, I can swing my arms around for 11 minutes and, yeah. you know, sing a song, and that's a meditation. And it... Yeah. it, it you know, it broke that idea that you have to just turn the mind off and be quiet and sit in a cave and just breathe to yeah. it it can really be anything. And, you know, after you do like any um 
I don't want to say simple, but it really is like a simple repetitive movement for an extended period of time. You're going to almost like lull yourself into the state of bliss where, you know, you don't have to think I can't meditate. I can't meditate. You're, you're like forcing yourself to do something and then you end up hypnotizing yourself into a state of bliss. Yeah, one hundred percent is is why I love it so much. It's uh, it shows that you have agency. I mean, I think that is um, that's one of the biggest things that that I've come to realize. Like, I have agency every day. I woke up yesterday, and my body hurt, mm-hmm. super inflamed and compacted on my left side. It felt like I was getting a sore throat. I had a headache in the right side of my head. I was no energy, feeling like crap. You know. Maybe it was because I had poutine the night before. <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, you know, I I know how to fix it. I, it's like it's an hour or two doing, you know, vinyasa. Just, but slowly, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of long-held like poses, a lot of laying on my, my front ribs. And um, I have agency in that. Like if I had gone to meditate in that space – just passive meditation it, it wouldn't have been enjoyable you know and it wouldn't have helped you know right right like if i sat down i did kundalini like you taught or pranayama like my teacher teaches um or you know really i mean moving my body like for me it's it's a very physical asana based practice because that's what helps like i can't open my heart until i can root fully my left foot mm-hmm like if I can really root my left foot, then I can get that hard shell that's around my heart to soften because I f- can feel that I have stability in my, my left foot, softness in my heart that allows my potential for my heart to rise so my left eye can see it in the future. You know, it's like uh, it's remodeling the house, knowing that it gets messed up every day, you right. know? Um, yeah. Wow, this was very grateful for all of it, right? Everything you've taught me and everything we've learned. Um, we're so lucky. We are. We we're really lucky and it's it's you know, I look back and I think of the time when I didn't do this. Oh. And I thought that this was all crazy. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, like Yeah. And now I I don't know what I would do without it. And, you know, like I, I have yeah. this evening meditation practice that's like an hour long and it's, I love it. But if you would have said to me, even probably like three years ago, oh, you meditate every night for an hour? I would be like, no way. I smoke a big fat bowl and I pass out. Yeah. And now it's just like, this is, it's become this ritual where, you know, it's, it's this sacred time to really connect. And mm. it, it, you know, it was all the practice that led me to this practice, but I had to do everything to get to this point. You know, it wasn't just like one day I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to meditate for an hour. (laughs) You got to do everything. Yeah. Like I had to, I had to follow the, the journey to get me to where I am now. And I'm sure it'll definitely change. But right now it's such a, a beautiful space that I'm so thankful for the journey, even though, you know, some of the journey sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's how it. That's how it's. Uh, there's balance in the world, right? 
So, so with that, with that journey, I have to get ready to go teach a, a Kundalini class. Before we uh, jump off the phone, the call. Where can everyone find you? Man, um, well, I'm working on my website, but that's farming-yogi.com. And um, on Instagram, I'm farming underscore yogi. Um, that's probably good enough. Yeah, that's good enough. Already, I, I, I will yeah. link all of those things. So uh, I've been... Um... Oh, and let's not call it yoga. I've recently started a new endeavor called Let's Not Call It Yoga. And that's an Instagram account, but it's also a growing website. Um, and that kind of is the question of how do we take all these great things we've learned? How do you get the average person at the, the grocery store to breathe and have that agency mm. to shift their experience through breathing, <laughs> you know, through finding, you know, that heart opening experience right. um, we need. Um, so, I you know, that. That's uh, it's in its its infancy, but someday. Yeah, you, know. you, you should also then do another one. Let's not call it meditation as well. Exactly. Well, it's let's yeah, let's call it you know being okay. <laughs> exactly. Let's call it just, spending just... a day with your demented grandparents. You know, let's call it you know whatever. <laughs> you know? Right, like, because it's all it's all some kind of practice for us. Yeah, let's call it loving the man that cut your trees down. You know. <laughs> right. Oh, um, you are going to have to be back on again because we didn't even get into a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about, like all of our super far out conversation <laughs> stuff. I'm grateful for this, Joe. Let's let's do it again soon. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I appreciate all you're doing for the earth and how you are sharing your gifts with the world and, you know, bringing bringing the little folk into it as well. So they you know, oh. grow up knowing about the green beans. It's everyone. <laughs> yeah, you know? it is everyone. Uh, everyone or no one. Right, right. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you. And everyone that's listening, go follow Sean. I will link him in the show notes and have yourself the most beautiful day.
else got any green bean thoughts? Uh-huh. <laughs> 